Ladies rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. (laughs) Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. Follow us on Instagram if you haven't already at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also email us info at gallerypodcasts.com. Leave us a rating. We would love a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. Rachel. Roberta. I am sitting across from you and it is delightful I as always. I look forward always. to these days in the calendar. We plan them so far in advance, like with gusto. I cannot wait. Same. And we have a lot of fun things to catch up on today. So what are we talking about? First and foremost, Commonwealth Day. Also, the official transfer of the Duke of Edinburgh title. The Oscars happened this weekend, Roberta. We've got a very fun conversation with Chris Jackson. He is the Getty Images royal photographer. I think most of you are familiar. He has a new book out. And yes, we do ask him about his wife, Natasha Archer, who styles Kate Middleton. That and so much more, Roberta. That was a great interview. But first, and now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. We have a fun drink because, of course, this week is St. Patrick's Day. I keep forgetting that. I should have worn green. So I hope that you guys mix this up. We tapped mixologist Simone Bailey to come up with this recipe. This is called the St. Patty's Day cocktail. It is whiskey, Irish cream, coffee liqueur, and creme de menthe, and then served up with a mint leaf garnish. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. I am so excited to make this on Friday. Very festive. Yes. And you can sip it while you're watching Kate at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. She'll be there in Aldershot on Friday. She will be taking the salute for the first time in her role as Colonel of the Irish Guard. So that's really exciting. I'm so excited. I wonder if she'll wear another green coat. I know there's a lot of online chatter. What if she wears a uniform? Because I guess usually they wear a uniform. But I think the queen always took the salute in whatever, you know, coat dress she was wearing. So, but we need to catch up because I did watch the Oscars. Me too. What did you think? I mean, I feel like the two films, Everything Everywhere All at Once and um, All Quiet on the Western Front, just like blew everyone out of the water. Blew everyone out of the water. I have to say. It was a really good show. It was a great show. I definitely love Jimmy Kimmel. I think he's one of my favorite hosts. Um, Any Matt Damon references. I was a wee bit disappointed that Megan and Harry and Fergie weren't there because there was a lot of buzz about Fergie. Not so much except for within between you and I about Harry and Megan. Yeah. But as you made me feel better is the Met Gala is coming. The Met Gala. Someone in our uh, listener emails actually pointed out the Grammys because I guess you can win an award for audiobook reading. Oh, right. So next year maybe we'll see Spare nominated. That would be wild. I would Absolutely be wild. so excited. Did you have a favorite for Best Dressed? Uh, did I have a favorite for best dressed? I always love Emily Blunt. Me I think too. she was very classic and actually reminded me of the Earthshot dress that Kay wore, the same style oh, of right. it, the green one, the neon green, but it was in white, so that was gorgeous. And then the coordination with the Rock's pink satin suit oh, blazer, yes. that was really lovely on stage. So, I mean, my favorite part of the whole show was Jenny, the donkey, being brought out. Oh, Did you I see know. Banshees of Inishirin? I didn't, but oh, it's on my, gosh, my the top, top, top of my list after Every the Oscars. Every time they panned to Colin Farrell, I lost His it. His son was there. It was oh, so good. So good. So And Ted Lasso. Oh, my God. Today. Today. Are you going to watch today? Let's watch it together. (laughs) Should we book a conference room? Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Oh, oh, the other thing is I finished All Creatures Great and Small. That's another big, like, British Completely neglected starting it. I need to get on that. You need to get on it. Okay. Quick DM to discuss from Lauren. She sent in some suggestions for guests at Color Me Loverly. I mean, all of her 
royal family parody videos are brilliant. Great suggestion. At royallyaddicted underscore new to discuss royal jewelry and fashion. Roberta and I are also putting our heads together because we need to talk about the upcoming jewels surrounding the coronation, the tiaras, all of that stuff. At Meg and Kat to discuss royal fashion. These are all such great suggestions. We also got a note from Sheila via email who saying the praises of the one, the only Elizabeth Holmes, who we could not agree more. We need to get Elizabeth back on here very soon. I know. You guys keep the suggestions coming. These are so helpful. We are in the thick of planning our coronation coverage as well. I loved, too, that our social team forwarded some other DMs that you guys have sent in. One was about those crown pictures from the set of season six. What do you think of those, Roberta? So many people are saying that William isn't hot enough, which I'm like, this feels weird. He's like it's in such a distant teenage shot. years. I don't know. We need to see the actual show because I trust in the crown. Oh, same. On the flip side of that, then Prince Charles with Johnny Cash, Roseanne Cash, his daughter posted a photo of them together. Everyone is saying it was a thirst trap. Charles is so hot with his stubble and beard. Yeah. So bring back the royal beard. I love that. I love that. All right. Moving on. This week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. The then Cambridge's week-long visit to Belize, Jamaica, and the Bahamas kicked off on March 19th, 2022. I cannot believe that this tour was a year ago. That blows me away. A year has passed since this happened. So it was dubbed the Disaster Tour, and from the very beginning, it did have some hitches. The very first event that they were scheduled to attend at a cocoa farm was canceled due to their helicopter landing on a football pitch that was, I guess, somewhat of a controversy. Officially, this tour was to celebrate 70 years for Her Majesty the Queen, the Platinum Jubilee year. Unofficially, this was to kind of avoid a Barbados situation. These are all former British colonies. Barbados had obviously become independent. Charles attended that with Rihanna. So that was a uh, that's what the unofficial purpose was. So how did it go so wrong? So wrong. I want to talk about this with you, Rachel. It's interesting because we know now that their staff visited for two weeks at the end of January to scope everything out. And a lot of the planning that went into this was okay. I mean, the things that went wrong were kind of out of their control. So we know that Jamaica, one day before they visited, had an open letter signed about reparations and slavery. And one day after their arrival to Jamaica, began proceedings to become independent. All of this was kind of in motion before Mm -hmm. the planning even started. What was in their control, though, was the photo ops. And we know that those pictures of hands reaching through the fence, of them recreating Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip on the back of that old Jeep was really just not a great look in terms of the optics for this. I also felt like the fashion... There wasn't a lot of rewares. There wasn't a lot of local brands. We had, you know, that one clutch with the vampire's wife dress, the pink one that was from a local brand, I think in Belize. But other than that, there weren't a ton of local fashion spotlights for this or sustainability. Although I will say one of my favorite ever dresses of Kate is that Jenny Peckham green dress, the off-the-shoulder gown. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was looking back at the fashion from this tour and also that self-portrait dress, the mint green that I bought and needed a desperately needed a tailor to make it work. I wish I held on to it, actually. I was having some regrets because I think now that I've located a good tailor, it could make it work. But she did have some wonderful moments. But yeah, I agree. There wasn't a ton of local designers used. 
But we do, I mean, we do see a little bit of the listening and learning happening in real time. So William at this event in Jamaica read a statement that was somewhat of an apology. We're going to play a little clip from that. I strongly agree with my father, the Prince of Wales, who said in Barbados last year that the appalling atrocity of slavery forever stains our history. I want to express my profound sorrow. Slavery was abhorrent and it should never have happened. While the pain runs deep, Jamaica continues to forge its future with determination, courage, and fortitude. And we do have the statement they issued as soon as they basically got on the plane back to the UK. William and Catherine issued a statement that said, foreign tours are an opportunity to reflect. You learn so much what is on the minds of prime ministers, the hopes and ambitions of school children, the day-to-day challenges faced by families and communities. I know this tour has brought into even sharper focus questions about the past and future. We saw them, you know, attend an event for the Turkey and Syrian earthquake victims last week. And I don't know, Rachel, I mean, what are your thoughts on this this one-year anniversary? I mean, I guess I'm just looking at the future and how we've seen the uh, – I always want to say the Cambridges, the yeah. Waleses evolve these public appearances. It's gone from listen and learn opportunities to impact days. They're rebranding that. And I think that they did take a lot home from this tour where they – and not just them, but their team contemplating yeah. the future and how they approach these and types of things. It was it was definitely a fail and, and global fail. Everyone recognized that. And I think they recognized that too. And I think there were huge staff shakeups afterwards as well. We know, you know, the ball breaker that Kate hired recently. There yes. seems to be a lot of <laughs> communication changes. Yeah, exactly. Honorable mention for this week in royal history. Today's the Ides of March. We have to be careful, Rachel. But close to this date is March 19th, which is actually the date of two royal separations. Princess Margaret and Lord Snowden separated in in 1976. And then Andrew and Fergie announced their separation in 1992 on that day. So beware the Ides of March. Okay, moving on. Commonwealth Day happened on Monday. I think for me, Roberta, what is so striking about this year is just looking at the past three. Since we took on the podcast 2020, we had Harry and Meghan, their swan song. This was their last kind of official tour as working senior members of the royal family. The green cape dress. I will forever remember that day as that. 2021, it was canceled. They had virtual... Um, acknowledgement of Commonwealth Day 2022. Just last year was when we were all kind of worrying Queen Elizabeth was absent. She was, I think, expected to attend, then couldn't attend because of her mobility issues. And this was the first fairly normal year, which I think is welcome, right? And there were, other than the wind, there weren't a lot of hiccups. Exactly. The wind, though. Whew. I know. Whew. Almost so, blew that hat right off Camilla's head. <laughs> yes. This was also Charles's first as monarch, and the theme was forging a sustainable and peaceful future. Obviously, the Commonwealth this occasion honors 56 countries and nations around the world that make up that Commonwealth. Kate's attire. I don't want to make this the headline, Roberta, but it's all I can think about. I apologize. I know that there's a lot more significance to this day, but I loved her peplum airdem suit. Uh, peplum is back, which is— I love peplum. There were, there were peplum dresses on Oscar's red carpet, too. It's I'm kind so of worried because I feel like <laughs> I like just got rid of like all those like early 2000s yes. peplum tops that I had. So I, I guess I have to get them what back. What did you think of the navy pairing? This was what got the most kind of chatter yeah. online. The navies of her Philip Tracy hat 
it didn't match. It didn't bother me as much as I think some other people. And I think the lighting too played a big part because there are photos where the light just hits differently and it looks pretty much the same. So I'm not worried about it. I think my favorite part was the lining of the skirt, how it had the reverse pattern on the inside. What a thoughtful thing to do for a tailor, stylist, whatever, designer. It's just, it was gorgeous. It was fun. And it was daring, too. I feel like we don't see Kate in patterns of these things. I know. But yet it also kind of blended in with the other suits, which is interesting. I did like that it went viral on TikTok, I think, the exchange between William and Kate inside Westminster (gasps) Abbey. I have insight into this. Really? Yes. Okay. So I clicked this link, watched the TikTok, and then remember, because I watched the service, that it was during um, Yolanda Brown's performance. She's a saxophonist who actually just was knighted by King Charles, but she was playing Is This Love by Bob Marley and the Wailers, and it was so good. The little kids around her were like floored, and then the camera pans to Kate and Will, and Kate is saying, it sounds like the saxophone is singing. I'm pretty sure she says something along those lines, or it sounds like she's singing yeah. with the saxophone, and William like nods, and he's oh smiling. He's like, well, really I love does. that he kind of has this look like in order to see what she's saying or lip or mouthing to him um, that she he has to kind of go beneath her hat. Like, do you see how oh, he, he kind of like he has to duck. duck and he's like, oh, what are you saying? I just gosh. love that. Um, but we also need to talk about the jewelry. Obviously, Kate wore Diana's diamond and sapphire earrings, but more significantly, the Prince of Wales feather pendant brooch. So this was passed down through many generations. Most recently in our kind of lifetimes, the Queen Mother had it, ultimately went to Diana, then back to the Queen in 1997 when Diana passed away. Then Charles apparently, according to the Daily Mail, made a big case that Camilla take it on, even though she didn't publicly use the Princess of Wales title, but when she became that upon their marriage. It has a value of $680,000. Wow. Wild. Sophie and Edward were there, looked phenomenal, but there were also a lot of protesters, Roberta. Mm -hmm. And this was Mm -hmm. kind of becoming a bigger thing. The Telegraph had a piece about this where they're expecting around 1,000 at the coronation uh, saying, not my king demonstrators at Commonwealth Day. There's even a clip when William is walking into the abbey where someone yells, down with the monarchy, William. And I think what was interesting to me is the thought in the Telegraph that will we see George as king? Mm-hmm. You know, how mm-hmm. much will this change? Will public opinion of the monarchy change? I don't know. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know either. But this was a really lovely service, yes. I will say. And the performances, This was there was this Rwandan group that did a dance number. Oh, my God. It was it was very Charles. Incredible. Yeah. But it, it is crazy to see because you see those, they have huge signs. Those Bright neon, yellow. like with one mm-hmm. letter on each, like at football games and stuff. So yeah, more to come on that. Okay. So Rachel, before we move on to Chris Jackson interview, I want to just quickly discuss the titles that we talked about last week. It was just an announcement, but now that we've had more time to ruminate it, I wanted to answer this prompt with you. So in light of Oprah and Spare, Harry and Meghan using Prince and Princess for Archie and Lily, what do we think? And I feel like we need to go back first to what Meghan said in Oprah, which is that she felt that they were denying them the right to use these titles, although in that case, the queen was still alive. And so we had, it would have been only when Charles became king, because it's only the grandchildren of the monarch that get to use the titles and only through the male line. So it's a big discussion. I mean, do you have initial thoughts? Well, I think just looking at the timeline, from what I understand, the Sussexes said yes to the titles when the queen passed away. Fairly like right on the heels of that, the website wasn't updated, but it was kind of something that was resolved. And and there's another, there's a lot of buzz talking about how 
the reason the website change happened all of a sudden and so swiftly was to make a make good on the Frogmore Cottage eviction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's interesting because looking back to it, when Archie was born, Harry and Meghan did reject the title of Earl of Dumbarton Mm -hmm. when he was first born. And so now it's kind of feels like a big pivot to me. But I'm wondering if, you know, there's rumors that this is signaling that they'll all be at the coronation. I know. I don't know. It is the kid's birthright. I mean, that makes sense. And but it's I guess I was thinking of it in the case for them taking the titles that it's probably easier to rescind the titles than to get them later on. So mm-hmm. if they give them the option to have them yeah. now, it's it, then they could let them go if Delete they chose. them later, yep. But against, I think, is just that the messaging for me is still somewhat confusing because it does leave the door open. And Harry did say in that interview that he very much believes in monarchy. So this could be an olive branch of the family. Yeah. But I don't – I. It is also at odds with yeah. their, you know, family conflict over. I think he their said that in spare too. That he is always going to be for the monarchy. He always loves yeah. his family. What's interesting is that spare illuminated that their half in, half out model that they proposed when they were leaving the royal family was rejected, and so the titles could be seen as some that this is a decision that they can make on their own terms, yeah. and that they are feeling like their independence is able to be enacted when they are making this choice for their kids. So it is interesting. Yeah. I like Send us your thoughts, guys. On I this. would love to hear your thoughts. I think the I'll just leave it with this. So is what I was feeling is Victoria Murphy in Town and Country had a great piece about the titles. And one of the quotes I liked, she said, the Sussexes have been very critical of the institution, the monarchy, yet this is a move that many will see as a confusing choice to be further aligned with it than they need to be. It suggests a preoccupation with a hierarchy that they have on the face of it eschewed. It's a good point. Yeah, it's a great point. point. And something to continue to think about. All right. Now, our chat with Chris Jackson. Roro's a very warm welcome to Chris Jackson. He's joining us to talk all about his brand new book, Charles III, A King and His Queen, out this week in the UK and next month in the US. I think it's April 18th to be exact, so everyone should get on that and pre-order it now. Of course, Chris is already the author of Modern Monarchy and Elizabeth II, A Queen for Her Time. This book officially marks a new royal era, and as a Getty Images royal photographer, Chris has had a front row seat to Charles's transition from Prince of Wales to Monarch. Welcome, Chris. We're so thrilled to have you back. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's it's a real pleasure to be back. It, it's always lovely to speak to you guys. So thank you. Well, speaking of that front row seat and the coronation coming up quickly, it's approaching very fast. Where are you going to be for all of that? Are you going to be in the Abbey or what's where will you be stationed for the day? Yeah, well, it's, you know, super exciting time. Looking forward to the coronation. Um, I think it's definitely going to be the highlight of, of this year with all these huge royal events where the nation's eyes are, you know, very much focused on on this moment. I'm not 100% sure where I'm going to be on the day. Uh, it should sort of transpire nearer the time. And that's what generally happens with events like the Platinum Jubilee. And of course, you know, the last, sadly, the last sort of big royal event we all remember was the Queen's funeral and those, those um, poignant 10 days, which culminated in, in her funeral. So it's um, it's very much... Um, up in the air at the moment, but um, I'll be sure to let you know as soon as I know exactly what element I'm on Facebook. Yeah, we'd love to know. And what element of the day are you most looking forward to? Is there anything that you think will be 
the most photo worthy moment? Yeah, well, I mean, actually, sorry, just going back to your previous a little bit as well, you know, these big, these big royal events, it is difficult to get around on the day. So one of the issues is for me as a photographer, sort of behind the scenes, I suppose, is, is getting around. There'll be huge crowds of members of the public. There'll be security, I'm sure, you know, um, police will play a very active role in the day. And I think it's, it's getting around. So often you only have the chance to capture one particular element. If you're lucky, you might get transported between two different positions Mm. but it is tough to get you know all the elements of the day so you very much have to have to pick your position if you remember the wedding of the Duke Duchess of Cambridge as they were then um you know you pick your position I was outside Westminster Abbey for that Mm -hmm. but it's either that or the sort of kiss moment on the balcony you can't be everywhere all at once um just due to the logistics of, of getting around with big crowds of people but I think you know there is going to be some some key moments from the coronation of course, Westminster Abbey, I'm sure, is going to play a key role. The Crown, um, and then hopefully a balcony appearance at Buckingham Palace. But we'll have to wait and see. We know that so many of our listeners are heading over there for the coronation. They'll be in London. I wonder if you have any recommendations for where the best spot for them to stake out would be. Is there anywhere along the Mall, or or where could they get the best view of of? Yeah, the what's days? your professional professional? Advice? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I suppose it depends on what you want to see. Uh, of course, you know, the Mall is always a fantastic place to be. I'll never forget those scenes um, at the Platinum Jubilee. I was on the, the QVM, the Queen Victoria Memorial, as I looked back uh, and I just saw these huge crowds of people. That particular memory for me was that last afternoon when we saw the Queen in green with the rest of her family. And, you know, it was a pretty emotional moment for her. I think at at that time, like looking out across the crowds and it certainly blew me away. So that's probably a good spot to be, I would imagine. Um, Again, I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to pan out, but I'm sure there'll be some kind of balcony appearance. So that would be a good spot to be anywhere around the Westminster Abbey. I'm sure there'll be huge crowds of people lining the routes. So um, it's going to be, you know, a period of huge celebration, I think, for everyone in the UK and hopefully uh, around the world. We are so excited. We're we're heading over, which we're really excited this time. We missed the journey, wow, but we will we will you. be there. <laughs> so we'll be we're taking notes as you as yeah. you're talking right so now. Send us <laughs> your tips to, and yeah. all that stuff all the way up to May sixth. Um, right. To talk about the book, you mentioned, you talk about in the introduction how vital it is in your role to capture the personality, not just the ceremony and formality when it comes to royalty. We wanted to ask you, in all your observations of Charles, what characteristics stand out the most? Like, is there something that the camera doesn't capture? You've spent so much time with him and Camilla. What stands out to you? Really good point and and question, actually. And I think um, I've been lucky enough to photograph our new king and queen huge amount over the last um, just 20 years now. And, you know, across all different facets of their life, from the formality that we know of the royal family, you know, these these very scripted formal events, um, to, you know, them enjoying a little bit of downtime occasionally. Um, Remember, they're working at an age where so many people have retired uh, and this couple are working at a very high rate it's it's incredibly grueling especially some of these these royal visits they go on so you know they work incredibly hard um and some of those family moments uh which are always enjoyable to capture the sort of interactions between the family um only recently i was at the commonwealth day uh service westminster abbey and it was fantastic to see all of the royal family out in force of course and you duke and duchess of edinburgh um countess of wessex formerly so yeah it's it's hugely exciting every time every opportunity i get to photograph 
King Charles and and Queen Consort Camilla. Uh, I think one of the aspects of their personality which really stands out to me is their incredible ability to connect with people and put them at ease all around the world. I photographed them on, you know, so many different royal visits, um, domestic events, you know, and they have this amazing ability to connect with people very quickly. Um, obviously, you know, the royal family don't get a huge amount of time to talk to people at these kind of events. And so they have to form a kind of a, a bond in a moment very quickly. And I suppose having a great sense of humour, uh, not taking yourself too seriously, smiling, all these things are things that really stand out for me when, when I photograph them. And, you know, the, the king, he's always seems to be on to me, you know, on in the sense that he doesn't, you know, you and I probably wake up and we've had a bad morning and we look a bit grumpy, but he has this incredible ability to turn up every event and just be on it. Uh, and that is an amazing side of his character which i really admire because you have to remember for some of the people he's meeting it's that one moment in their life Mm -hmm. um, that they get to meet a member of the royal family and say he needs to be on sort of top of his game and and you know so that i suppose that sense of humor and that resilience that that work ethic the king's certainly picked up a huge amount from the late queen elizabeth who famously uh had this incredible commitment to duty uh, and a great sense of humour. And I think it's a symbiotic relationship. The royal family certainly learn from each other and no one could have been a better teacher than than Queen Elizabeth II, who, of course, had, had been there and done that. And um, the king's taken on um, so many of her, her attributes and, and learned from her in so many ways. So, When I thumb through the pages of your book and look at all those images in quick succession, I also am so struck by Charles's style. I don't feel like we talk about his style (laughs) enough, you know, and and sustainable style. And you have a whole section on that. I think that that is, is that something that captures your attention too? Yeah. I mean, he's clearly got a unique, um, a unique style. Um, And I think, I mean, like I mentioned in the book, it's antithesis of fast fashion. You know, some of his suits you, you will see throughout the book, worn over many decades, shoes that have been repaired. Uh, worn for up to sort of 20, 20 years, maybe even longer. And I think, you know, you can only admire him for that commitment to um, to using and reusing, recycling. And I think he also has this incredible kind of sense of, of style. GQ sort of featured him on the front cover one year and noticed him as, as man of the year for his philanthropy. But he's, you know, he did that. On royal tours, he's got to be the only guy I see uh, in sort of sweltering in 40 degree heat in a full suit and tie. And, but just still looking very cool, calm and collected despite those uh, those challenging situations. And, you know, I suppose the day job, uh, being a member of the royal family, you have to wear a, you know, a wide variety of different outfits from state banquets to, you know, the garter ceremony. And many of these robes have centuries of tradition woven into their fabrics. So, it's, you know, clothes are an important part of what it means to be a member of the royal family. They're the first thing we see, the first yeah. impression we get. And, you know, that's that's why I had a chapter dedicated to that. And of course, the Queen as well, the Queen Consort, you know, she has her go-to designers, um, her hat designers, her clothes designers. And again, it is an important part of, of what we see. And she's got a great sense of style. Uh, one thing I picked up on in the book, I'm not sure if you managed to read the section that of course, during COVID times, all the royal family had to do things slightly differently. And one thing that was absolutely fantastic that then Dutch the Cornwall did was choose different designers for her COVID masks. And every sort of engagement, I was quite excited to see what 
what mask she should wear next. And she's one of the few people I photographed wearing a mask where, you know, you could see her smiling over the mask. And so mm. she'd always have a glint in her eye and a different kind of rather impressive mask on. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a nice way of turning it a very much a negative into a a positive, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love that detail. You know, you've also been a part of some of the more personal shoots, like for example, Queen Camilla's 70th birthday portraits. Are you a fly on the wall or do you get to interact with her? You know, she's absolutely one of my favorite people to photograph. Uh, she's got a great, great sense of humor. And I've really, really enjoyed photographing her for however long it's been, um, a long time now traveling around the world. And again, just one thing that you know always stands out to me is sense of humor and a smile and that just makes my job really enjoyable um yes of course i think you know i'm very much fly on the wall um for day-to-day engagements and i think that's important and i think what is lovely about having done the job for so long is of course you know there's a sense of familiarity and that means they can get on with their job just knowing that you're there to sort of document what's going on you know and that is my job they will very much focus on the person they're talking to the task in hand and, and crack on with the day job and I'm there to sort of capture and tell that story in in the best way I can we were both also curious if you have a favorite image of the king from the book like the back cover alone we always think of you know Charles's 70th birthday also the James Bond premiere and then <laughs> there's the king's eject button in the Aston Martin which I did not know about and when I did saw you know, that in the book I was, I was really excited Do you know a few of those um, I'm really pleased um I could put some in, in some of those 70th birthday pictures with the king you know it's fantastic to shoot behind the scenes and and there's a few of those details which you know many people don't know about you know the eject button in his car that runs on Cheese and wine, by the way, you know, there's a, a sort of further commitment to the environment. His um, Aston Martin DB6 Volante, I think it is, which he keeps at Highgrave, um, was converted by a local company to run on cheese whey and surplus wine ethanol. I think I, I think I might, might be wrong on that front, but um, <laughs> certainly it's a very environmentally and very, very stylish car. Hmm. Um, you were talking about the king style um there's there's certainly an element of james bond when he's driving that car and of course the eject button which as i mentioned i was too scared to press (laughs) does it work it doesn't work right i don't know maybe (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't put it past charles to have that work (laughs) so is do you have a favorite image i mentioned some of ours but i don't know if there is one that stands out totally didn't answer the question there Um, that's okay (laughs) i'm sorry i do that i just go off a bit of a tangent but um what i was going to say is i yeah, there's there's a few favourites there for sure. And I, I was actually really like that photo I took of him the other day in Windsor Great Park when he became a ranger of Windsor Great Park, mm-hmm. a job that his his father had held for so long. And, you know, it's that kind of transition which you often find with royal pictures, which is so poignant uh, and gives it a kind of an added depth, I suppose. But I like that picture because he's leaning up against a 600-year-old tree. You know, he's a man who is happiest in that kind of environment. And there's a little bit of, you know, light dropping down the background. I spoke to some of them then, and they were like, oh, you know, but the highlights could have been, yeah, of course, when you're photographing the Royal Family, you don't naturally get to choose the exact perfect time of day every every time. So there's often things you, you would change if you had total control over that moment. But for me, whilst it's not, it's not perfect, I, I love that there's a bit of light leaking into the top of the picture and just gives you that kind of, 
feeling of something a little bit different and a, a little bit away from the formality of the, the day-to-day images that I, you know, I'm taking of the royals. And, and, and when you take them away from some of those more formal environments and you put them somewhere a little bit different, it's, it's, yeah, it's really enjoyable. And I also like the, the way that we had a fantastic designer for the book, Ray, and she sort of used that on the, on the second or third page as a, as a double page spread. And it works well with the placement of the words, I think. So I like that in the book. Um, any other favourites? I love a moment where the king is putting his shoes on in Dumfries' house. He's just been for a walk around the gardens of this house in Scotland, which he effectively saved for the nation um, with a consortium of investors. It's got this incredible collection of Chippendale furniture, um, and it's an absolutely stunning house. And basically, he brought these investors together, restored the house using a number, you know, a lot of Prince's Trust architects. And it's absolutely beautiful. Um, the public are able to walk around the grounds of this house and it's become a kind of key part of the local community now. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it's really lovely. But this particular photo was after the, the king had got back from a walk around the grounds, the 2008 grounds, and he was just taking his, his walking boots off. And it was, you know, it's those lovely, like, relaxed, candid moments, which I say, you know, rare to capture amongst the more formal moments. But for me, like you say at the beginning, it gives a little bit more of an insight into the characters and, and it's another side of the king's character and hopefully gives you, the viewer, um, a little bit more of their personality. Yeah, it's so human. Yeah, he seems so at ease in both of those. Really important question, Chris. Will you be gifting the king and queen consort a copy of the book? <laughs> um, well, you know, it's literally, I've only just got my first copies. That, that's why I'm so amazed you guys have got them in America. That's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, it's it's always lovely to do these books. I mean, I, I hate they they like um, what we've done. It's it's really special to be photographing them for so long. Um, I suppose it would be a bit weird. You know, I find it weird if I had a book of myself. <laughs> <That'd be hard. laughs> yeah. um, it would be hard to carry you know, along with all your camera equipment too, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> Can't exactly. really just hand but, it know, to <laughs> Well, hopefully, hopefully. There's so many memories from the years. You know, there's been some incredible places we've been lucky enough to go to, like the Galapagos Islands and Pakistan and, you know, some family moments. And, and so hopefully, you know, something like this does does bring back some uh, some nice memories of, of past past what is work for them essentially yeah well switching gears for just one second because i want to flash back the caribbean tour the then duke and duchess of cambridge it was almost a year exactly a year ago and there's this amazing photo oh, you took it? of wow yeah a year i know it's crazy time flies um of the then duchess of cambridge eating a conch pistol and this uh-huh. was in the bahamas <laughs> what was her reaction to this what can you let, set the scene for us Wow, that was uh, that a year ago. That that was a great tour, actually. Um, you know, Whistler stop, lots of incredible colour. I think we kicked it off with a Garifuni festival in Belize on the beach, which was fantastic. Some dancing, really getting immersed in the local culture. And this was on the last day in Abaco Island. And of course, you know, as a your member memory. of the family, look at your memory. That's amazing. Wow, <laughs> we're impressed. No, no, I remember you. You, you know, it's so incredible. You know, these places you go to, they really stick in your mind. And um, you know, stunning Caribbean island, and they'd been particularly hardly hit by Hurricane Dominica, I think it was. Um, Dorian, maybe. Uh, yeah, Dorian. It, I yeah. can't remember yeah. that name of the hurricane, but. I was blown away when I arrived on the island by the flattened trees. You could see the power 
of this hurricane. And, you know, the local residents had really been devastated. The houses were flattened or just blown away. You know, it had such a big impact. So that event you're talking about was a kind of culmination of, of a day where they viewed some of these, um, some of the devastation from the hurricane. And it was a an event where they got the opportunity to try some of the local delicacies. And of course, yeah, this conch pistol was a particularly um, unusual moment. <laughs> but uh, I suppose it's an insight into her character because, you know, she's giving it a go. It didn't look entirely, I'm not sure I would have tried that but uh <laughs> but she i think <laughs> she, she seemed brave it. about it she seemed very brave about it yeah and william's reaction was funny too i think he was like i can't believe you're <laughs> just going for it but that's yeah great. that was a um, nice moment actually i think they sort of burst into laughter either after or before i can't remember but it was a nice moment we both in together yeah and Kristen, you know talking about travel we know you were in the u.s recently for Earthshot in boston but you were also here to cover harry's polo match last summer that raised money for centibale are you in the u.s a ton more and more to cover the sussex's work or no i think you know we, I was, it was so lovely coming to the u.s uh for Earthshot in boston um it was really you know a special event you know the award that five five million pound awards you know which is going to create a hugely positive impact in that space um over that 10-year period and i think it's i love photographing a little bit of that capturing some of the kind of behind the scenes action and i was really excited about going to boston it was a little bit chilly though um yes. i didn't pack the right we were place. there too it was very cold <laughs> <Yeah>. and rainy <laughs> there was one particular engagement which was down at a um Oh, by the water. Yeah. Yeah. I I literally felt like my head was about to drop off. I mean, I don't have much insulation on top of my head. And uh, (laughs) yeah, it was, uh, I thought I was about to kind of pass out. It was so cold. Kate and William handled that well, though, the cold. I felt like no glimpse of them being discomfort. (laughs) I was very impressive. I was thinking you must be very, very cold. Um, But lovely. And it was, you know, great place to be. Uh, Boston's fantastic. So much history. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always looking forward to um, events in the US. It's it's exciting to get the opportunity, hopefully, you know, post-coronation. I'm not sure how the year is going to pan out. um, But at some point, hopefully, we'll get get traveling, go on some royal tours. Of course, we've got um, the first big state visit for the, the new king and the queen, uh, France and Germany coming up, which I'm really excited about. That should be that should be great fun. Um, so yeah, hopefully a bit more travel later in the year. Yes. Well, we we need to know because you know we know you you and your wife both work for the royal family. How do you balance? How is the work life balance? Do you leave it all at the door? No work chat after hours. How does that work? <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely try and avoid uh, work chat after. You know, it's obviously very busy these days with you know so much going on with you know shooting and then the book and then we've obviously got so much to look forward to with with the coronation. So um, I pretty much have my hands full with two young children who certainly keep me on my toes in fact i'm surprised they haven't made an appearance um, <laughs> over the uh the baby gate in the background but you know life is full on and i think what's important when you have a job like mine you know you travel around a lot it's it's, it's full on and i think it's really important to kind of take some time out um and and then come back to it feeling hopefully reinvigorated so uh yeah it's uh, i try and switch off and uh, forget about the day job. 
Do you guys have an insanely color coordinated calendar? Like you're, you're <laughs> managing it all. It must be <laughs> intense. Life is busy. Yeah, booking holidays in can be a can be a challenge. Yeah, but it's um, it's um, I mean, mainly because my engagement's pretty full on. You know, the royal family, family uh, working incredibly hard, and you're obviously covering events across. You know, not only the king and queen, but the prince and princess, and Obviously, um, the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. I've got to get my head around that. I keep saying the, I know. <laughs> the right. Us too. Uh, the, the new titles. I mean, I think everyone's sort of getting their head around that still. Um, so, yeah. And when we get into the summer season this summer, it's um, it's, it's always difficult. I actually always have. I always know that the start of the year is going to be quite quiet. Mm. Um, you know, start of the year, January. And I do quite a lot of running. And I, I'm thinking, oh, I can do my, I'm doing a marathon later on in the year. And I, I get into my marathon training and then you hit the kind of full on busy period and then it just becomes totally impossible. So mm. uh, I'm sure it's the same with you guys. It's, uh, it's, it gets busier and then it only ramps up towards the summer when you have Ascot and Yasa yes. and all the different events that you have throughout the summer. And, and I think often people forget that as a photographer, you know, a lot of these events, you actually have to be there hours and hours in advance, you know, make sure you're in the right place and you've got the right equipment and stuff. Mm, yeah. Wow. We oh won't keep you gosh. too much longer, but we did want to ask, you know, the last 12 months have been unlike anything else in the royal sphere. I think both Roberta and I feel just all that we've lived through and you're capturing so much for the history books, the Jubilee, the Queen's passing, and now the ascension of a new king. As the royals documentarian, what so to speak, we're calling you that. <laughs> what reflections do you have as you watch this family navigate so much monumental change? Yeah, it's, um, oh my gosh, it's been like a two-year period of obviously post-COVID. We had that, you know, affected everyone. And then, and the, the Royals certainly had to learn to do things in a, in a different way. And of course, the Platinum Jubilee, um, you know, a year of so many incredible highs and then, of course, the passing of Queen Elizabeth, you know, incredible lows as well. And at the same time, it's a, such a poignant and important part of history to document. So for someone like myself, you know, I will never forget the moment I uh, saw the Union flag lowered on uh, from the bridge above the Round Tower in Windsor Castle. And this incredible rainbow developed over it. And I just looked around myself and it was, you know, we all had the message that the Queen had passed away. And it was just the most surreal moment. And of course, following on from that, all the kind of historical moments um, running into the, um, the Queen's funeral. And it was incredibly, you know, surreal, I suppose is the only word. I've, I'm often trying to look for words to describe those 10 days. And I think surreal, poignant, I just can't, you know, I've overused them, but I can't think of anything, any other ways to describe that period, to, you know, to be documenting all that with someone you photographed a huge amount throughout her life. It was, um, yeah, it was weird, but it is, it wasn't a very important time. Um, and then we've sort of moved forward to, again, our new king and queen consort uh, running into the coronation. So it is a period of, seismic change for the royal family and i think it's exciting to be documenting um these moments of course I, I feel like it's so important to be capturing some of these pictures that maybe will be looked back on in sort of 10 or maybe even 100 years time which is a unique thing about photographing the royal family um you're creating a historical archive effectively so um so yeah and i, I think you know tying in with this book it for me it's um I often look back at some of the incredible sort of royal photographers that whose 
images I've looked at over the past. There was a chap at Getty called Tim Graham, and he he took an amazing archive of images of the royal family, and and then of course Snowden. And you, you look back at some of these people, and you know you're just trying to create a sort of small element of what they've done, but you feel sort of pressure to do that. So. It's exciting, but there's lots of incredible photographers to look at and sort of gain inspiration from. So, um, so yeah, that's what I just try and do. I know. I wonder what people a hundred years from now will think of those shots of Louis on the uh, watching that concert, Prince Louis. <laughs> all those things, yeah. all those moments. They'll look it, back on. Well, it's so weird, you know. When we have a big <laughs> event like like the Jubilee, often I go into the Getty Archive and I look back at historical photos from similar events. And you think, gosh, you know, this is going to be someone else looking at maybe at the pictures that I took over that period in in years to come, which is is yeah, it's weird, but it's uh, it's also exciting because it's it's so unique about this type of photography. It's really incredible. Well, I hope we have a Prince Louis moment at the coronation. Okay, final <laughs> question. Yeah, it would be great. Final question, Chris. Any more advice for how to best enjoy the coronation do you have for our listeners? That's a good question. I think, um, again, not knowing the exact choreography of the the few days, but I think there's going to be some big lunches going on. There's the big lunch over the coronation. I think get involved in, if you can, make some friends, get involved in the street party. Uh, I certainly know my street have been uh, talking about that on the WhatsApp group. So oh, they're nice. in the planning stages. Um, and I think hopefully, you know, that means there's going to be a really kind of lovely period of national celebration. It's so nice when everyone comes together to celebrate these moments. But of course, it would also be very exciting to be in the midst of the action on the mall, you know, w- with the crowds. Um, that would definitely be a buzz. I'm sure there'll be a flyover or two. Uh, and, you know, fingers crossed we'll have some great weather. Historically, we, we've we been blessed in the past, generally, with these big royal moments. Um, and They call in a favour. <laughs> call in a favour, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, just awesome. made the most of it. And I'm sure London will be absolutely buzzing and yeah. a good country. Well, we hope you can, maybe after you're done with the day's photography, can go enjoy your own neighbourhood street party. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us, Chris. This was lovely to talk to you again. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Really appreciate Chris. it. Before we adjourn the pod, our highs and lows. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low this week, another day, another lawsuit. Prince Harry's lawsuit against the Mirror Group will go to trial in May over phone hacking. And Harry's lawyer, David Sherburn, actually says that Harry might be the only witness to be called to take the witness stand. So we will have to wait till May to see if that happens. My low has to do with an announcement that Kate would be at the Commonwealth reception, but then sudden absence. It was a misreported fact that she would attend and she would, in fact, not attend. And the reason that was uh, sort of wagered by some people on Twitter was that it was a childcare issue. But I have to say it was a little bit of a head scratcher, of course, after spare. Could it be that Kate was overshadowing Charles? You know, like, does that decision get made really swiftly or was it childcare? I don't know. Just on my radar. I I think you could be right. I also think she's never attended those Commonwealth receptions in the past, I guess, is what I read. So, all right, my high this week is just that the Duke of Edinburgh title went to Prince Edward on his birthday. What a lovely birthday gift. This I'm, was huge. I'm 
so happy for him, even though it will revert back to the crown after he passes. I think this is really exciting and something that I was really hoping for. It was promised by Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip on his wedding day. And we finally are seeing the that best birthday gift. And right. also for Sophie, the Duchess of Edinburgh. I love it. Huge. A new duchess. Okay, my high. The TIG might be relaunching. What? Also, you kind Crazy. of heard it here first, right? When Micah came on years you and years ago. definitely heard it here first. But there has been documents filed with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office last month, and that the, it talks about how the focus of the site, commentary in the field of travel, but also it ta- retains the rights to talk about recipes, travel, relationships, fashion, style, interior design, lifestyle, the arts, culture, design. So much. I'm repeating myself. But anyways... I just hope that we get some intel if it does happen on where Megan got those really great leather pants for date night because oh. I cannot stop thinking about them. Well, I, <laughs> I thought about the TIG this week because on Archwell's website, it posted that she wrote a recipe, a lemon olive oil cake recipe for Jose Andres' cookbook that's coming out. And it's posted to the Archwell site. It's included in his cookbook for World Central Kitchen. That's so the TIG. That's where I feel like the charity and goop kind of cross pollinate. And that's the TIG. To TIG or not to TIG. To TIG or not to TIG. Just a reminder before we close, please leave us a royal rating. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com. Till next week, God God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.